Joining me this week on the Friday Film Club is Ryan C. Showers. He is a film critic. Uh, we crossed paths at Next Best Picture when we covered awards. And he has since launched his own amazing podcast, uh, The Screen Podcast. You should check it out. One of the best podcasts out there if you love horror and 90s. And uh, yeah, we had a great chat. Uh, obviously, uh, a bit of horror come up. But I think you'll be surprised at some of his choices. So uh, I hope you enjoy. So, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to speak to you again. It's really great to speak with you too, Liam. I really enjoyed our time um, working on NBP together. So I'm really excited that you invited me for this episode. Ryan, before we get started, uh, tell us about your new podcast. Well, I actually you know, hung up my hat uh, with the awards scene and started my own show. Uh, it's called Scream with Ryan C. Showers. It's a show about the Scream movies. I'm... I've always been a huge fan. They are like so central to me, my identity. I, I just, I love them. I watch them all the time. Um, and I saw an opportunity with the upcoming film, Scream 5, which we never thought we were gonna get after the passing of Wes Craven. I saw an opportunity to make a podcast and really do something on my own. And um, I have to say it's been, I, I'm a, I've recorded about 30 episodes so far. And the, the response has been overwhelming from fans, from people who wanna be on who just want to talk about Scream, you know, it's, it's a show for, you know, by and for the fans. It's about, you know, just, you know, there's no drama, there's no political, cultural calculations. It's just people who love something. And I, it's been a very healthy thing for me as well as a very fun thing. Yeah, and I, I love that. And it's a, it's a great show as well. So um, anyone listening that hasn't yet checked it out, you must do. I think horror is one of those things. Everyone, everyone loves a bit of horror. And um, I think the, the Wes Craven films, uh, I think if, you, if you're not a diehard horror fan, um, you've probably still seen and enjoyed at least a couple of Wes Craven films, right? Right. And uh, especially Scream. Scream is such an interesting um, series because all the sequels are very solid. So it's a very consistent franchise, which is unusual for horror. But also, uh, you know, they've had a lot of consistency with the with the cast and the writers and um, the directors so far. So, and it's a blending of genres. It's a blending of comedy, horror, thriller, drama. So, I think that's what really sets Scream apart. Please, if you if you like Scream, please check out my podcast. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> no, um, indeed. And um, where do you stand on the title of the new Scream film? Is it Scream Five or is it Scream? So on the show, I call it Scream 5 just because, just to differentiate it, because I'm constantly throwing out words, you know, I'm constantly throwing out numbers, you know, Scream 1, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, so it's just easier that way. I, you know, I'm okay with it. Like, uh, in my heart, I would rather be called Scream 5, but I'm okay with it calling with them calling it Scream to reintroduce it, you know, to to an audience today. So it's all right. I'm okay with it, so... Fair enough, fair enough. And um, I'm sure we're going to see a bit of horror crop up on your um, choices today. And as you know, uh, we've got six questions for you. Um, so let's mm. jump straight in and let's go in hard. What is your favorite film of all time? Well, and I'm going to kind of cheat with this answer because I have been talking about Scream so much. And it really, the, the, the original Scream trilogy would be my answer. And if I had to pick one, I would pick Scream 3. Um, I'm just so obsessed with it. Like, I, I you know, but, uh, you know, on the flip side, I, you know, because I, have a show about Scream and I, you guys hear me talk about it there. 
I also would like to mention The Hours, um, which was by Stephen Daldry um, in 2002. Those are, you know, whenever I'm asked uh, what my favorite film is, it really is the, the original Scream trilogy. But if I have to pick something other than Scream, it's The Hours. I, um, I'm a huge Virginia Woolf fan. Uh, you know, The Hours really en encapsulates everything that I find great about cinema. Uh, you know, it, it utilizes all the different aspects of casting, acting, um, cinematography, editing, writing, score, and it's very literary and very classy and highbrow. And I just, I think it's, uh, I think it's a brilliant film. And it's, it's a weird film that we, it's the weird type of movie that we don't get often um, anymore. So yeah, and I, I love the hours as well. So it's a, it's a great choice. And I feel like going back to award season, Chicago really doesn't do justice to the amount of just really beautifully shot or period films that were that were released in 2002, The Hours being one yeah. of them. And it was such a great year. It was. Um, it's actually, if I had to pick my favorite year of the 2000s, I would pick, uh, of that decade, I would pick 2002. Um, mm. I just, I think, I actually think a lot of the nominees were well chosen. I think, you know, I'm a big fan of, the, of Chicago. I'm a big fan of, um, uh, Far From Heaven adaptation. Uh, the, I, I like The Pianist. Uh, you know, I actually do enjoy Gangs of New York. So I am very happy with a lot of the nominations. And I'm mm. so glad that Nicole Kidman won for playing Virginia Woolf. Uh, that was such a formative performance for me. Um, Nicole Kidman is my favorite actress. And um, I think she, uh, you know, uh, she, her performance as Virginia Woolf opened up the world for me in a way that I don't know if I would be the same person if I hadn't gone through this huge phase with her performance as the, as Virginia Woolf. Yeah, and do you know, I always remember I was on the train home from the BFI London Film Festival uh, a few years back now, and I'd just mm. seen a screening of, um, is it Destroyer? Destroyer, Kidman? yeah. Great film, great performance as well. One of my favourite of Nicole Kidman's. It didn't get enough credit, but uh, I remember we had a conversation about it on the way as I was travelling home. And yeah. it was that moment that I realized, man, you, you love Nicole Kidman. Um, I, I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that has such, uh, such a love for her as, as, as you do. I mean, a lot of people love her, but, you know. Well, and it really, it, goes, it all goes back to the hours for me. Like I, you know, she's, a, she's an actress who is, um, she's, she's, kind of, she's a chameleon, but she's also a very like internal actress. Like, you know, she tells the story through her facial expressions. And that's something that really connects with me. Um, and the hours is the perfect example of that. And, um, I remember, I, I, I remember messaging you, um, and I felt like I was, I, I was bombarding you with questions because I, <laughs> Destroyer is such a me, is such a Ryan type of a movie, like on the, on the surface, you know, it's a, you know, it's a dark film noir story it's about it's a, a story about morals and um it's about this really damaged you know woman uh, you know and mm -hmm. i it's it's a very dark movie and that like that's a very much like a you know a me type of a movie and i was so interested about the film about the performance and i would have loved for her to have won best actress for destroyer i think naturally that would have made sense for a second oscar for her and i still maintain i think she should have won so but and it's i think had annapurna had more funding that year she she at least could have gotten that nomination but um she mm -hmm. unfortunately it didn't pan out that way so yeah it's such a shame because um i i loved 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 that performance um in destroyer it was it was great but i i'm totally with you on the hours um love that film and what is your least favorite film then well, uh, so this was actually not hard for me at all. I absolutely despise The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I am, I'm 
you know, one of the few people on Twitter, um, the other, oh, another one, it's like, I feel like they're like, you know, like, I, like I'm an island of us. And I feel like I'm friends with all the people who dislike this movie. But, you know, I, I've, I've really hated Wolf of Wall Street from the, from the time I saw it. Like, you know, back in 2013, there was this really nasty war going on between people who love the Wolf of Wall Street and people who loved American Hustle. And really the war was started, initiated, and continued on by the Wolf of Wall Street people, um, where American Hustle was the one, it was the movie that was winning all the awards and that was getting all the nominations. And Wolf of Wall Street was being left out, or at least wasn't being held up to the same standard as American Hustle. Hmm. I was in the American Hustle camp. And um, so immediately there was that, that, that toxic nastiness that turned me against it. But also like, first of all, for the record, I love Scorsese. He is one of my favorite directors, you know, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas. I met some of my favorite movies. How, so going into it, and I also love Scorsese's films with DiCaprio. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this is going to be a very mainstream type of a thing that I'm just going to click with, whatever. And, you know, even before I was the radical feminist that I became at, in, in college, I found such a, I, I found this movie to be very, to be very cold. You know, I, I, it's hard, it was hard for me to connect with it in the same way I, I think that the characters weren't well drawn and I find the movie to be a, a very misogynistic movie in the way that they and the way that they use Margot Robbie's character and all the characters I find the messaging to be very problematic too for instance I think The Wolf of Wall Street it doesn't go out of its way to show that the that the main character is a bad guy I think he you know a lot of people will say oh well it's a brilliant satire on on this man and his lifestyle but I don't feel like that satire is overt enough to make the movie not dangerous because I do think the movie is dangerous. I think it glamorizes these, you know, toxic masculinity traits and lifestyle choices that are, and they're again, like they're they're not criticized enough. Like you know, I feel like if you showed this movie to a bunch of young teenage boys they would love it and love it for the wrong reasons. And it's not like American Psycho, where you know Christian Bale is obviously a bad guy and what mm-hmm. he's doing is wrong. The satire is very clearly there. It's not like that in The Wolf of Wall Street. At least that's not how I see it. So I I have such a distaste of that movie. I, I, I'm basically every single way. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoy Wolf of Wall Street. However, I, I enjoy it, I guess, knowing that Jordan Belfort is a bad guy and i can mm-hmm. i can appreciate the um the style in the film and i can appreciate the 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 scenes that are perhaps when when you look at it from your perspective are misogynistic and are actually portraying a very positive uh representation of of, of what is uh, quite an awful thing so i i you know what, i take your point on board completely um wolf of Thank wall you. street was one of my favorite films that year but uh, yeah, I completely get how seen by people who are a bit more impressionable, um, mm-hmm. it, it could be quite a dangerous film. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I, 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 I've, I've given it multiple chances. I've watched it. I've tried watching it a couple of times, and it just I've never clicked with it. I, there's something cold about it. Like even if I could take away the social aspect of it and like the the, the misogynistic aspect away from it, I can't. I don't like connect with the film even like on a a watchability aspect like i find it to be cold and distant you know so on mm. top so when you take that on top of everything else it's um it just i don't like it so um yeah that's my least favorite fair enough I, and i think it's 
it's a divisive choice. I think there, as you say, there, there are people out there who love it, and and I think the people who do love it defend it to the hilt. Um, they do. And yeah, I, I think that's certainly it's certainly a controversial choice. But I get, I, I completely get the, the the reasons for it. I think it's it's one of those films that stands a little bit apart from the rest of Scorsese's films. I think yeah. it's it's he's trying to do something that's that's incredibly stylish and um, just a bit more out there. And I guess it's you either love it or hate it, right? Right, right. Yeah. Thank you for letting um, me voice. I, I I wouldn't be a Ryan Sauer <laughs> show without without a divisive, controversial choice. So well, I mean, I, exactly. I have to deliver. <laughs> exactly, and uh, you you already have. Um, so the next question: Which film or TV character do you relate to the most? So this is um, was actually pretty easy for me. You know, I I love TV shows. You know, I I mean, I, I love both film and TV. So I watch I, I watch a lot of both. But especially when it comes to TV, I like I have my favorites and I really invest in them. And so you know, it's actually weird because I looked more to the TV, to TV characters for this question whenever I was making my decision than film characters, and it really wasn't hard at all. I pick I'm picking uh, Alicia Florrick, um, played by Julia Margulies from The Good Wife. The Good Wife is um, my absolute favorite show. And there's something about Alicia. Well, first of all, I do think she is one of the great TV characters of all time. She has a series long arc that is um, just simply one of the best uh, of, of any character. She's like uh, she's like a Don Draper, Walter White type of a character in, like, in, in TV history. But there's something about Alicia that like, you know, sometimes like some, I, I think, oh, I'm, am I overwriting her in my head? But then I watch like a quick, you know, two minute scene with her. And like, there's just something very lived in about how Juliana plays her and how complex Alicia is and the way she characterizes herself and the way she speaks and her motivations and how she flirts with moral ambiguity that I not only, I'm very attracted to, like I, I'm, in, I, I'm infatuated by her, but I also see a lot of myself in her. So it's, I, I, I relate to Alicia more than I probably should. Uh, in terms of just uh, like, in terms of the, just like this, the daily struggle with work and trying to navigate what's right and what's wrong and how we each make our choices. I think um, I can, I've always understood Alicia and all the choices she makes and how she she wants to be good, but she sometimes, uh, you know, it, she's she's changed by her circumstances. And I can say that I've definitely changed in a way like Alicia where I've grown great strength and great confidence over the time. But over time, but there is something that's lost as you go through life, and you you make choices in order to be successful. So I can I can really relate to Alicia. Well, I have a confession to make, and that is that um, although I've been recommended The Good Wife by a number of people, I'm I'm yet to watch it. It's it's on my long list of of recommended shows to binge, but you've given me probably the the, the most glowing review yet. So I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to watch it now. Well, thank you. It's, uh, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of people say that about The Good Wife and I can understand why people, especially like younger people in today's TV world would, wouldn't be attracted to it because it is a very like establishment-y type of TV show and it was on CBS. And so, you know, it was went ran for 22 episodes, which in today's world is weird, you know, to have a, have a you know, a great television show that's, uh, you know, on one of the big networks and, you know, runs, you know, all year long. Um, you know, yeah. we're, our generation is much more into streaming and the 10 to 13 episode quick seasons. And, you know, I think uh, The Good Wife was the, one of the last great TV shows like of its kind to exist. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, series are getting shorter now as well, and it's uh, I think the nature of, of just the way we're consuming shows and the types of shows that are being produced in response to that is changing. Mm-hmm. But what I, I love about your choice is that you are the first guest so far that has picked someone of a different gender and you've taken the question yeah. on a more emotional level rather than just a straight kind of um, uh, physical one as well. I love that. Well, thank you. I mean, I have always identified more with women. So like, I, I, I wouldn't even tell, like, if you asked me what, what male character I would identify with, I would really have to think about it. <laughs> so yeah, great answer though. Great answer. Um, which kind of brings us on to the next question, which is, if there was going to be a biopic of your life, what genre would it be and who would you cast? Well, um, my, my genre would definitely be drama. I've endured a lot of emotional hardships and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, my, my life has been a bit of a struggle. I mean, we've, we've all had our struggles, but um, I, it's, I'm definitely very much in the drama camp. And uh, the, the actor I picked, um, it's also hard because I can't see myself in any actor really, but the actor who has uh, at least blonde hair and kind of my build and shape is Matt Zucri, who is also from The Good Wife and from Gilmore Girls. Um, mm-hmm. I would I would pick him. So a younger Matt Zucri, but yeah, that's who I would pick. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's a, it's a, a slightly out there choice. I'm getting a lot of um, you know A list actors and actresses, but um, uh, that's definitely a lower key choice as far as as far as that goes. Okay. Well, sorry. I guess I, I mean I, I like I said I couldn't even like I couldn't even I wouldn't even be able to tell you it's. And that's always been, because I've, I've been asked that question for a long time, like from even from high school, and he's always been my answer. And I can't really imagine, and I, I don't know of any other blonde, you know, five nine actors with blue eyes, you know, and I've had that as my build. So I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a good answer. Good answer. So I guess moving on slightly from that, what is your most nostalgic film? My most nostalgic film. So it's so funny because I feel like for all of the questions you provided me, I could answer Scream, uh, but <laughs> I can't. So, but for this one, um, I turned to Cruel Intentions, which um, stars Sarah Michelle Gellar, who is, uh, I know Nicole, I said Nicole Kidman's my favorite actress. And like, I don't know, I feel like for someone like me, they're like, I have like two brains. I have like one brain that is Oscar-y type and like Nicole Kidman's my favorite actress for that brain. And like for my real personality and like, you know, like my, the, the person who loves, you know, scream and buffy and like that that you know that kind of stuff that's close to my heart my favorite actress is sarah michelle geller and one of her most um, notable films is cruel intentions from the 90s i definitely feel like i'm a 90s person at heart and cruel intentions is the type of movie that whenever i put it on it just feels it feels like home i feels like it's been something that's always been a part of my life which i know it hasn't but i it's just, and plus the, the, movie, the movie itself is so nostalgic of the 90s. It's so representative of the 90s. And um, like it, it's, it just, it's again, it's the type of movie that we don't get nowadays. So I, I know I'm picking Cruel Intentions, so. <laughs> yes, and I, I love that film. I guess um, I'm kind of in your camp. I, I, I'm all about the 90s films. And mm. Cruel Intentions is just one of those that sticks out to me as, uh, so my, my memory of Cruel Intentions is, you know, being 11 years old and uh, a couple of my friends stayed over and we could rent a video because back in them days VHS was a thing and the internet wasn't really a big deal. And we got Cruel Intentions because my friends were like, oh, that scene, that scene where Selma Blair and Sarah Michelle get a kiss. And, um, you know, being 11-year-old boys, that was the the key driver to picking which VHS that we rented that night. 
because uh, at the time, Cruel Intentions was considered this really kind of racy um, mm-hmm. kind of teenage drama. And I think nowadays, if you watched it, versus a lot of the stuff that's available now on like Netflix and, and um, you know, anywhere else, it must feel really tame. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so funny that you, that's your story, because I feel like Cruel Intentions has that narrative attached to it for almost everybody. Like, I, you know, I... I bought the movie because I was obsessed with Buffy and I remember my uncle t- took me to Target with that and I was with my mom and I wanted, I told him I wanted to get this movie and so that's how I kind of bought it and I went like months without my mom knowing but I showed it to my sister, showed it to my sister's friends then my mom found out about it and she was, I, I was in trouble for, for having because I was in seventh grade. <laughs> Um, but I feel like I feel like that's that's everyone's story with cool intentions. We all kind of snuck around and watched it at a, at a sleepover with a group of our friends. Um, so yeah, and it, it really is daring. Like honestly, I I do even think it is kind of daring for today's standards. Like if cool intentions came out today, I feel like film Twitter would just eviscerate it um, <laughs> because of like different problematic elements. Um, mm-hmm. But because it came out when it did, we can look back on it in a nostalgic way and you know in a different way than it, we would if it was a twenty twenty one movie. Yeah, but I also feel like if Cruel Intentions was, was thought of now, it would end up as a sort of 10-episode series on a, yeah. on a streaming service. I just don't, I can't imagine a, 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 a scenario today where Cruel Intentions would be made as it was then. No, you're right. And it's funny because they actually they actually made a, a TV pilot for Cruel Intentions um, with Sarah Michelle Gellar back in like 2016. Um, and I've seen the pilot. Um, not, it's it's very rare. I've I looked for it for years, and finally somebody kind of put me in touch with somebody who could get it. And um, it's uh, it would have been like a it would have it was supposed to be on ABC, so it was it would have been like an eighteen episode se- um, season long show. And um, it, I, I'm disappointed that it, it didn't get picked up. Um, so uh, it's it, it would have been it would have been very cool. I would have loved to have seen um, this story continue on in today's world in a different um, venue of t- TV. So was it intended to be a sequel? Yes, it's it's just, it picks up like for Catherine, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, you know, at the end of the first film, she's debunked. She's proven to be this, you know, um, not the good girl that she was presented, she presented herself as, and she was had a drug problem and that she kind of played a hand in Sebastian's death. And um, this, you know, takes place 20, I think 15 years after the, the film. And uh, she's cleaned up her act more, and um, but still she's devilish on the inside. And it deals with Ryan Philippe and Reese Witherspoon, um, their son, mm-hmm. and he kind of he kind of comes back into Catherine's life. And it was it was very interesting, and it had a lot of plots that really showed a lot of potential for growth. And I'm sad that it didn't get picked up and, or and continued. I actually think it would be the perfect show for Netflix to to take up. They should buy. The, the rights to Cruel Intentions, the movie, buy the series, and you know, just let people run wild with it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I guess, I guess we're all just forgetting that Cruel Intentions Two was a thing, right? With Amy Adams, you know, yeah. my my other <laughs> one of my other favorite actresses. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, okay. Uh, so I guess the last question I have for you is, what is your guilty pleasure? So again, like I, you know, I have this like philosophy about guilty pleasures. I don't love the term guilty pleasure because, you know, it assigns this thing like where, you know, because of film Twitter and like film criticism, like, I don't know, I feel like there's healthy film criticism and there's unhealthy film criticism. And when we assign like this term of, oh, well, you, you know, it's, you feel guilty about watching it. It's like, but if you, if you enjoy watching it, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. Like, you know, just because, you know, so it was kind of hard for me to answer this, but I will say 
move, you know, movies that I'm aware are less quality, but I still enjoy. That's how I'm choosing to answer are like the movies that came out around Scream and the, the, the first three Scream movies back in the 90s. Um, because I like, you know, people who have such a strong connection to the original Scream trilogy, I feel like they also love the movies that came out around Scream because they were so influenced by Scream. Mm-hmm. And, um, but if you look outside of the people who fit that camp, a lot of people do not like these movies at all. So, you know, my guilty pleasures, I would say, are the Scream adjacent movies of the 90s. Like, I know what you did last summer, Halloween H2O, Alien Resurrection, uh, The Faculty, Urban Legend, like that genre, I just absolutely love. And I just, it makes me also nostalgic. You know, it just, you know, mm-hmm. I, it, it's definitely my personality and how I see films. It's very, I, that, that whole era was something very formative to me. So, you know, I think that those films do a lot of great things with tone and character and music. And I just, I just love them. So. Yeah. There, there's something about horror films from that era. That's just, just stands out. And I, I've always said um, uh, to my wife and also anyone who listens to me really, that uh, one of the most underrated film franchises, the horror franchises, although it come at kind of the end of that era is final destination. Um, yeah, I love yeah. those films, but it's still very much of that kind of vein. It's got that, that slight kind of comedic tint to it and doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just, it kind of just gets the perfect balance. And I feel like you could say the same about Scream, uh, which is obviously mm-hmm. a lot more kind of meta as well. But all of the films from that, from that era, the faculty, as, as you mentioned, and like, I know we did last summer, all of those, they're, they're just, they're just great fun, aren't they? I love them. Yeah, no, I, I love Final Destination as well. Um, actually, this morning I woke up to a, um, a tweet from one of my listeners for my Scream podcast asking me to rank the Final Destination films. So mm. uh, it's funny that you would name drop them today. So um, maybe that's a sign that I need to throw one on before I start uh, before I start law school in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you do. Uh, so when, when was the first time that you actually started watching horror films, by the way? It was actually Scream 1, like literally Scream 1. I, I watched, it was my very first horror film, which is funny because, you know, Scream is known for being, like you just said, very meta. So I hadn't really seen other horror movies. So mm. to see them talking about horror movies, it, it's not that I, I, I understood it and I liked that aspect of it. But for me, what really hooked me with Scream was the characters and the, the mystery. And that's what I still love about it even today. And that's why I love Scream 3 the most because it focuses most on Nev Campbell's character Sydney Prescott and um, th- this big mystery about her mother but I started watching that was I was in sixth grade when I first watched Scream so I was probably like 11 years old um, mm. so yeah so since then and then like you know just Scream kind of took over my life in a way and it's still <laughs> it's still it's still hot so were, were there any horror films that you were sort of banned from watching um, because for me it was The Exorcist, because that was banned in the UK for 25 years, and um, it was just had this whole stigma around it, and I was just never allowed to watch it. Wow. No, I... So it's funny, because after Scream, I feel like I watched... I, I watched the, the first three Scream movies a lot, from, like, December through maybe September. Like, there was a big, like, nine-month um, time where I was just so obsessed with Scream. And I would I, I watched, like, things like I know you did last summer and movies along those lines. Um, but it took me a while to really start digging into older horror movies that Scream talked about, like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. And I remember my mom asking my mom to take me to the video store one night, and I got Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. And um, 
she was angry that I, I got them without without her permission. And I thought it would just be okay because she let me watch Scream. I mean, she bought Scream for me. Yeah, she bought all three DVDs for me. So I thought, why would she be mad about it? So my, she actually took them away from me for a night as like punishment. But I still snuck into her, her room and got them and watched them and put them back before she was awake. So <laughs> There's nothing quite like watching a horror film that you know you're not allowed to watch and kind of yep. getting one of those sort of sneaky viewings in as, as a kid. It's not, it's not the same now as an adult because you know that there's no one telling you not to watch it. There's, there's just there's more of a taboo around a horror film when you're a kid and it just feels a lot naughtier, right? Well, do you, so do you like, did The Exorcist deliver? Were you happy with it? Yeah, well, yeah, kind of. It's, it, it's one of those things. I, I do love the film, but I think it had been built up so much as this like horrendous experience that um, it didn't quite live up to that, but I still thought it was a great film. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what they do with Ellen Burstyn's um, sequels coming up that they just announced, um, the, yes. the, the, tri the trilogy. So, Yes, that's going to be very interesting. I can't wait for that. Well, thank you, Ryan, for answering our questions. Uh, it's, been, it's been great having you on the show. And uh, before you go, uh, where can people connect with you if they want to? Well, thank you, Liam. This was such a a fun invite like i'm so it, it, you know i'm really happy that you started your own show and that you're doing your own projects as well um you know i always really enjoyed your perspective on um nbp um oh, the, my, my the thing that i remember about you and nbp is you were around the year of uh three billboards when three billboards swept the baftas and you kind of you know i remember you being on the show and like i was a three billboards fan that year and i remember you being on the show saying you know People in Britain, they love three billboards. Do not underestimate it. And I feel like the majority of the team still picked The Shape of Water to win best film. And But you and I pred correctly predicted three billboards. So um, that's my, my fondest memory of you other than the Destroyer thing. So um, I'm so happy that you uh, invited me on today. Um, and I really appreciate what you're doing because I'm in the same boat. You know, I just started my podcast. I started recording in the middle of June. And... Uh, it's a, you know I've been recording like crazy, so I have a I, I respect I respect this a lot. So um, congratulations on your show, and um, your listeners can find me on Twitter at Ryan C Showers. You can find my podcast Twitter at Scream Series Pod, and um, please listen to my show, especially if you love Scream. Uh, it's Scream with Ryan C Showers. It's available on anywhere you can get your podcasts. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you for the kind words. I wasn't expecting to be showered with compliments this evening, but so yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, do obviously I'm going to keep checking out your show, and hopefully everyone else will as well. I need to feed these very agitated dogs that are running around my feet, so I'm going to leave you to it. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Okay, great. Thanks, Liam. Cheers, See Ryan. You later. That's it for this week of the Friday Film Club. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can rate and review us on all good podcast platforms. Also, uh, do reach out to us on social media at the Fry Film Club on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to be a guest in a future episode, do drop us a message on social media or email liam at hefcorp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>